FOMO. My name's Patrick McGinnis, and I'll admit it, I have FOMO. And since you're here, I'm going to bet that you do too. But that doesn't have to be a bad thing. If you learn to channel your FOMO productively, you can make the most of every opportunity while keeping your sanity in the process. This is FOMO Sapiens After Hours, the snackable show about how you can make FOMO a force for good. Hey everybody, welcome back to After Hours. I hope you're doing well today. I want to pick up where we left off on last week's episode of FOMO Sapiens with Sunil Gupta, who wrote the book Backable, because on the show, as you'll recall, we talked about failure. And poor Sunil was in the New York Times as the portrait, the literal portrait of failure. And then he turned things around and he's been very successful and he's figured out how to make people believe in what he's doing. And then he goes off and executes and kills it and everybody's happy. And so I did want to talk about that because obviously failure is a topic that many of us know quite well. I certainly do myself. Uh, but I've also seen a lot of great pitches in my life. I've been able to, thanks to the stuff that I do and the fact that I do a lot of early stage investing, I have seen tons of pitches, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I've seen what happens later on and what succeeds and what does not. And I'll tell you, there are some great pitches where the business fails. That's just the nature of the beast. Early stage investing entails tons of risk. And so what I want to do today is you know, I'm going to not focus on the outcomes necessarily because, listen, some of these are just great ideas where you had a little bit of bad luck. But I want to talk about the four things that I noticed in really backable, great pitches and then tell some examples of kind of the story behind why I feel that way and maybe a little bit about what happened and then, uh, you know, I'd love to hear your ideas as well. So I'll give you some info at the end of the show to send me your ideas. Tell me about your ideas, because I'm sure some of you have your own strong feelings on this topic. But let's get started. How do you be backable? Well, numero uno, number one, building a relationship before you ask for money. So uh, you may have heard me say in the past, when you're looking for advice, you get money. When you're looking for money, you get advice. In other words, a lot of times people come and pitch and they get great feedback, but they walk out empty-handed. And then other people come in and they say, oh, I just want to get your feedback on this idea, just like your general thoughts. And if it's a good idea, investors say, you know what? That's really interesting. Let me give you some ideas. But, you know, you should come back. I'd love to invest in your business when you're ready. And so I think when you put people on the spot, it can kind of clam them up a little bit and they don't want to open that wallet. But when you're sort of more relaxed and just sort of having a conversation and building a relationship, it can actually be much more effective in terms of getting people excited about investing in your business. Business. And I will give you an example. I met a guy called Diego Saez Gil, who um, some of you may know because I've written about him in my books, but I met him many years ago now. I'm talking 10 years ago. He was introduced to me because I had invested in a fund that I'll talk about a bit later. And that fund sent him up and said, listen, Diego's in New York. He has you know this new business. He just wants to meet people. And I remember that I met Diego I looked him up on Facebook. We had one friend in common, one friend in common, somebody I'd randomly met at a party in Paris. And I guess was from his hometown in Argentina, Tucumán. And so we just started chatting, Diego and I, and he told me about his idea for this business. And I hadn't really no interest in investing in companies at that point. I wasn't quite there yet beyond maybe the fund I was going to invest in, which was much more diversified. But Diego lit it up. He got me really excited. We're sitting at a 
table in a cafe in New York's West Village called Cafe Minerva. And I was just like, whoa. And he didn't ask me for anything. He was just telling me what he was doing. And I, we were having a conversation. It was actually Halloween. It snowed that night that year. And I just left that meeting fired up. And so we kept talking and kept talking and just having a conversation and building a relationship to the point where when it was time for him to actually raise capital, he didn't even have to ask me. I volunteered. I saw him one day. I was like, when you raise money, I want you to let me know. And so that was really powerful, building that relationship before asking for the money, making me feel like I was part of the team, letting me know that he was listening and, and that he was incorporating some of my thoughts into the project. It really worked. And he didn't do that in a weird way. He didn't do that to try to trick me. He just did it because that's who he is. And it's funny now, Diego and I have like 3,297 Facebook friends in common. Well, not really, but many hundreds. And I've invested in uh, sub subsequent projects of his. In fact, we met at the very same cafe and so I think that, that just tells you how things go. And that business did well. Actually, he, he was able to merge it and we had an exit and went on and did another business after that and another one now called Pachama. So Diego's doing great. And I know that, you know, he has that skill. He's used that skill to build relationships and it's really paid off for him. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, or delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you improve efficiency by bringing all major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. And with rising prices everywhere you look, you got to do the math and save money. Good news, by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. So head over to netsuite.com slash FOMO. That's netsuite.com slash FOMO. netsuite.com slash FOMO. Number two, understand your core value proposition. So this is all about, you know, knowing what your business does and communicating in the way that's super impactful. And the, the person I'm thinking of here is, and I'm not an investor in his business, sadly, but his name is Khaled Kataili. I met Khaled because he has a company called Legacy and they have a podcast and we taped an episode that I don't think has ever aired actually. So Khaled, you're gonna have to track that one down. But we met in the middle of the pandemic and we stayed in touch and he came to New York a little while ago and we grabbed lunch and Khaled kind of gave me his pitch. And I was blown away. I mean, he had raised, just raised about $10 million. So he was hot. I mean, he was ready to go and, and he had his pitch down, but his business basically helps men to freeze their sperm. And then later on, when they want to have children, they could do that. So it's kind of like a male version of all the egg freezing services that are out there. And he understands the emotional need of men to propagate and to have a legacy. And when he tells the story of the business and pitches it, he really weaves that in. I mean, he's got the science, he's got the team, he's got everything else, but like the emotional connection he draws in his pitch and the core value proposition that that it offers to the consumer, it's it's really tight. And so I was listening to Khaled and I was like, whoa, this dude, this is deep. He's deep in my soul right now. I can totally understand why he raised $10 million. So thinking about what it is about your product 
that connects deeply, not just, you know, oh, we're making widgets and we're selling them, but like, why do people, why do people buy this thing? What is the emotional reason? What is the real core value that it offers to the consumer? That's very powerful. That sets you aside from the pack. I mean, he has consumers, but look at him. He's way ahead of the game because he gets it. And so I thought that was like, I was like, wow, this guy is giving a masterclass on pitches. So nicely done, Khalid. Congratulations. All right, next. Make your success feel inevitable, right? And one of the ways to do this is by creating FOMO. Investors, you know, they love to drag their feet. They just love it. You know, it's like, oh, interesting business. I'd love to invest. Just like come back to me when you're about to close your round. Not nice. Okay. You either want to do it or you don't. You shouldn't just be stringing people along. This is not, this is not Tinder. Okay. It's not about swiping and swiping. It's about making a decision or not. But many times people have FOBO and they can't do it. And so the way to combat that is with FOMO. And there's a company called Adaptive that I invested in. And that management team did something really smart. They had a core group of investors who were ready to invest and they had all kinds of people who were kind of dragging their feet. And so they said, listen, that's fine. We're gonna close on the first tranche of the investment at valuation X. And then 30 days later, it will close again at valuation X plus, you know, whatever percentage, I guess 10% or 20%. And we're gonna do that. And basically, if you don't move now, you're gonna be left behind. And I thought that was really smart because it showed that they had confidence that people were gonna get into the round, that their business plan was a sound one, and it is a sound one. And so they telegraphed to the world that, you know, we're not gonna wait around. Like we are ready to execute on our plan. And I think that that makes you know, when you think about a pitch and you're ending that pitch and people are still like doubting a little bit, when you create that kind of mechanism, it gets people off of the sideline. So worked worked on me. Uh, and so and if I'm supposed to be the master of FOMO and you get me, then you've done something right. And finally, have all of the pieces in place. And this means really thinking 360 about all of the elements of a deal. And I'm not going to name a name on this one, but this is a business I invested in a couple of years ago. And this one did not succeed, sadly. It failed, all the money gone, but great founder, great team, great idea, great pitch, great investors, great beginning traction, great everything. And so it was sort of like you just show up to the pitch and you're like, these people have thought it through. And they may fail, by the way, but there was no flaw. It's sort of like you're going through the deck flipping through and like every question you ask, they've got a slide about it. And so what I think happens there and what I think is really smart is number one, this was a, a, an entrepreneur had been around the block a couple of times. Number two, they had really great advisors, people from the industries that they wanted to focus on. And they had, you know, talked to the potential clients and customers and partners, and they really understood the industry. So that, that kind of made it easier for them to then tell that story. But I think beyond that, which I think what really they did differently and what was really smart is that they made sure that they had met with a ton of people and gotten really frank feedback. And I was one of those people, by the way, we had been talking. And so they had heard all the questions that could answer them. And I think that's what makes a really powerful backable pitch is it's sort of like there is no question that is unanswered. Even if you don't have perfect information, you can't foretell the future. You have thought through all the questions. You have pitched this or talked to many, many, many people, and you are ready for the hard questions. And one way to do that, by the way, and if you're ever pitching or you're trying to raise money or you're just pitching any idea to somebody is make a list of all the people you want to talk to and then have sort of different buckets, tier one, tier two, tier three, and start with a tier three. Start with them because if you don't get it quite right, it's okay. You will, of course, maybe get it wrong, but you'll learn so that when you go to the tier one and two, you have the answers down. And of course, you'll do this if you 
follow rule number one, which is build that relationship. As you just ask people for advice, they're gonna give you ideas you can respond to. So bring that all together, build the relationship beforehand, understand your core value prop, make it feel inevitable and have all the pieces in place and you will be eminently backable. So I'm sure some of you have done this before and have your own ideas. Feel free to share them with me. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis, on Twitter at PJ McGinnis, and at email at letsconnect.patrickmcginnis.com. I will be listening and perhaps we'll share your idea on a future episode of the show. FOMO. Want more of FOMO Sapiens and After Hours? Head over to FOMOSapiens.com where you can listen to past episodes, learn more about the show, and find out how to advertise. You can also connect with me on Instagram at Patrick J. McGinnis and on Twitter at PJ McGinnis. 